Near the beginning of Lent, I preached a sermon and told y'all that I wasn't planning to give up anything for Lent or make any changes, um, and I changed my mind because we could all use a little work, right? Um, I decided that I was going to be mindful about my cell phone use, especially at home and in the evenings and around my children. Because at some point one evening, my nine-year-old looks at me and says, can you put down your cell phone for a minute? I'm trying to talk to you. Hmm, <laughs> heart check. Nothing like the words of a child to put, your in, put you in your place. But she was right, because she noticed that I was often hurried and distracted and unfocused, or at least not focusing on what matters. And don't we all have times when we rush through life wishing that there was a pause button or maybe a rewind button? We don't have the ability to go back and change what was, but we do have the ability to decide in the present time what we will allow to capture our attention and captivate our hearts. In the days before Jesus' entry into Jerusalem for Passover, there was unrest and upset among Christ's followers, including his disciples. Group dynamics can be tricky for many of us, and when the stakes are high and the pressure is on, often irritability and uncertainty rear their ugly heads. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a few moments and try to imagine spending a few short years traveling around the world with the world's Messiah, witnessing his preaching, his teaching, his healings, his miracles. You've witnessed him heal the sick and raise the dead. He is both not what you expected and more than you could have ever imagined, all rolled into one. He is both king and servant. He is both warrior and peacemaker. He is fully God and fully human. And you find yourself unable to understand why he continues to speak about his death and more so lately than before. The tensions are rising and the stakes are high. There is an intrinsic shift and things begin to look and feel pretty different. He no longer quiets his disciples, instructing them not to tell others who he is. He no longer keeps secret his miracles. He speaks openly, boldly, and publicly, marching on toward the cross. So how is it that the disciples could witness such divinity and just as soon forget what he had been telling them all along? Dr. John Kwasney says, forgetting has always been a real problem for God's people. Just read the Old Testament. Israel is warned over and over again not to forget their covenant with the one true God. Deuteronomy 4.9, we read, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. And in Deuteronomy 8, you shall remember the Lord your God. 
we all struggle with the dichotomy of having a life-altering spiritual experience and almost as instantly, we revert back to past behaviors and modes of thought. Our short-term memories fail us for various reasons. We are constantly distracted by the buzz of a text message, by an email notification, by a calendar reminder, our devices, our cell phones, our iPads, our computers, our screens, they're, they're designed to capture our attention and to keep us coming back for more. I'm sure you, like me, have attended countless concerts and performances where people aren't watching the event, they're recording the event and watching it through their screen, right? Not just me. Have we settled for watching our own lives happen on a screen instead of living in the moment. What happens to our brains when we rely on technology to capture the memories and the moments for us instead of intentionally focusing on what is happening right before our very eyes? We sacrifice mental engagement for ease and the ability to pause rewind, replay. We sacrifice social and emotional engagement by sending a quick text or an email instead of making time to see one another or grab coffee or share a meal. And I say we because it's me too. With our faces buried in our phones, how are we supposed to truly connect to the world around us? Our lack of awareness and intentionality cause us to miss holy, divine, precious, lovely moments. Clearly the crowd in Jerusalem that day didn't have the distractions of devices, right? I don't think cell phones were the problem in 30 AD. But were the people focused? Were they focused on Christ as the promised Messiah? Did they watch and listen? and experience Jesus believing that he was God in the flesh, the anticipated savior. Maybe they were simply drawn in by the energy, the excitement, the emotion of the day. Matthew 21.5 is quoting Old Testament prophet Zechariah in 9.9. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was the king they begged for, they prayed for, they hoped for. They've heard the prophecies and here he is, standing right in front of them. The Sadducees and Pharisees reject him as Messiah, but for a short time, the crowd of people, the followers, accept him for a short time and they proclaim, Hosanna. Hosanna, they acknowledge his divinity shouting Hosanna because Hosanna means save. Hosanna means help. They're shouting, save us, help us. And a week later, they're shouting again, but this time the message is different. This time they're saying, crucify him. And an excerpt from Feasting on the Word, author James O'Duke says, the Jesus who enters Jerusalem was and always is a challenge to this world's powers and principalities. This King Jesus is a threat both to the power elite 
and the fickle multitude. The story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is one of contrast. First, there is a joyful welcome, but it ends with a searing rejection. Jesus came to defeat sin and death, not Rome. The crowd expected a political revolt against the Romans and became embittered when they realized that that was not the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. That's not the one that he was going to rule. Christ's kingdom is in our hearts. Not on a throne, not yet, at least. Richard Rohr said, remember, finally, that the ashes that were on your forehead are created from the burnt palms of last Palm Sunday. New beginnings invariably come from old false things that are allowed to die. Hmm. What distractions and habits will we allow to die? And what will flourish in their place? Our text today ends with, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, in turmoil, asking, who is this? Turmoil, disturbance, confusion, uncertainty. We've all been in a state of turmoil, but we're not meant to live there. We cannot stay there because peace is what we desire. Peace, divine and lasting peace. Mindfulness and meditation can help usher us toward peace through focus and purpose. While preparing for this sermon, I read a lot. I read a lot. I read a lot. I read a lot. About spiritual practices, about mindfulness and religion, about Christianity and consciousness, and so on. And I kept coming back to a word. I kept coming back to the word meditation. Meditation. Meditation is mentioned numerous times in scripture as a way to remember the character of God, his promises, and his work in the world. The practice of meditation is, is often envisioned as just a quiet stillness and emptying your thoughts and, dis, and um, getting rid of distractions. But there is an alternate way, and there's a biblical way to practice meditation, and it may be exactly what we need to lessen our moments of distraction and refocus our connection with God. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Psalm 48.9, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Psalm 119, 148, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Dr. Dwight A. Pryor, founder and president for the Center of Judaic Christian Studies says, Hebrew meditation, unlike Eastern meditations, has content, it has content, an intentional sound. The content is God's words and God's works, indeed God himself. The word of God wants to bring clarity as to who you are based upon whose you are. You are not to turn in. You are to turn out. 
To turn within is to look only upon your own brokenness. The biblical word for meditation, Haggah, points us to the verbalizing of our thoughts before God to articulate in some focused and fervent way. To articulate in a focused and fervent way thoughts of worship, thoughts of wonder, thoughts of praise. It can occur anywhere, at any time. And it is time for us to put down our cell phones and pick up a palm branch, allowing Christ to captivate our hearts, enliven our spirits, and bring peace to our minds. May we meditate upon his goodness and his glory all the days of our lives. God bless you.